All right, I'm going to um, share with you today, we are on core belief number 11. We've got one more next week, and we're, it actually is very cool because then it coincides with going into Advent, so that's super fun how that worked out. But I get to talk to you about this core belief that we are called to extend God's kingdom. We're called to extend God's kingdom. And I want to get real specific about one of the major ways that we do it. It's very simple. It's profoundly effective and powerful, and it's how Jesus told us to do it. So I think we're probably in a pretty good, pretty good spot right there. So let me begin with this. Uh, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven, uh, Matthew 13, 31 through 33, and he says this. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and he sowed it in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid it in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. I'm going to bring two points to your attention right here. Number one, you notice that in this, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed and the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. These are Jesus's words. He's comparing what the kingdom of heaven is like so we can picture it. And the first thing that he points out is that the kingdom of heaven starts out really, really small. The kingdom of heaven is about really, really small things becoming really, really big and profoundly helpful, profoundly affecting the things around them. The second part of this is it takes time. Did you catch that? Have you guys ever planted a seed and then that night you woke up and there was a whole tree in your backyard because you'd planted that seed in the afternoon? Obviously not at all. It takes time. The kingdom of heaven takes time. Jesus is pointing out that these small things, if you give them time and there's intentionality, they will become big things. And in fact, they become so big, they rise to such a level that in, the, in regard to the picture of the mustard seed, he says it rises to the point where it's larger than all the garden plants and it becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and they make nests in its branches. The things that are going on in the world, the kingdom itself becomes a place of refuge and it causes things to rise. When you look at the picture of yeast, what does yeast do? You mix it into the loaf. The loaf is the world, right? You put the yeast in that loaf, and what happens? All of culture starts to rise. So when the kingdom is given time, it causes not just those that believe in Jesus to rise. It causes everything to rise. How many of you guys know that God is in the business of blessing people that don't even know him yet? How many of you guys know that God didn't go, oh, well, you didn't know me, so I don't care about you? Obviously, that's the opposite of the gospel, because we know that Jesus said that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet his enemies, Christ died for us. In the fullness of time, while we were yet God's enemies, that's when Christ said, you don't know me yet, you don't know my dad yet, you don't know he's good yet, but I am going to give my life for you, because that's how valuable you are, and that's how committed my father and I are to blessing you. That's the kingdom we're a part of. And so what God does is we're like Christ. We do the same things like Christ did. So we ourselves are in the kingdom blessing people that don't know that God wants to bless them yet. But it takes time and it takes us recognizing that small things can become profoundly powerful in the kingdom. Can you receive that? 
So the kingdom starts out small. The kingdom involves small things. And the kingdom takes time. That right there is a really good message without even adding anything more. But I want to talk to you about blessing. And this is important for us to keep this context, okay? It's going to take time. And the small things that we're involved in will have profound impact over time. And what we tend to do is we tend to undervalue those small things done with great love, those small things done in the name of Christ, that how absolutely life-changing those things actually are. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to unpack that together. The next scripture that I want to give you is Revelations chapter 1, verse 5. This is another picture of the kingdom. And it simply says this, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom... And priests, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Did you catch this? He has made us a kingdom. He has made us a kingdom. Turn to your neighbor and just say, we are a kingdom. All right. Turn to your neighbor again and say, and you a priest. We are a kingdom. Say it again. And you're a priest. Did you just catch that? You guys, we're not waiting for the kingdom to come. We are the kingdom. And not only that, not only are we a kingdom. This is Bible, guys. What does that say? He has made us a kingdom, but he has also made us priests. Now, you guys realize that identity shapes behavior. It drives behavior. If you know what your identity is, it gives you an understanding then of what your function is because of who you are, because of what you are. And you are a kingdom, and you are priests. And so as this kingdom, we take little tiny eensy-weensy things, and through those tiny things, as we continually give it time, we see God's kingdom continue to expand. And as it expands, all of the world benefits. If what we're doing is not a benefit, the good news is it's not the kingdom. (laughs) Stop doing that. But everything that we do, when it's done in Christ, in his love, actually benefits all of the community, even those who do not yet know God, because God is in the business of blessing all humans. That's what he does. That's what he wants to do, because he is a good father. You guys with me? So how do we do this? How does this work in real time? Because this is a pretty cool concept, right? You're a priest and you're a kingdom. You also live in a specific place at a specific time. You realize what a compliment it is to God that we get to live in this place in this time? Do you know that God chose, it says in the Bible, that God chooses the times and places that will live for his own good purposes? So you're chosen. You're exactly the right person at the right time in the right place with the right people and the right God inside of you to bless this place and this generation. You are God's plan, and he does not have a backup plan. You are a kingdom, and you are priests. And I'm glad you're here. And God is glad you're here. And pretty soon, all of our community is going to be glad that you're here as we continue to do this together. Amen? All right, so how does this work? Well, the way that this works, we find a clue for this in Luke 10, 5 through 9. And this is how Jesus... 
So Jesus gave us the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to do everything that I've commanded you. And he says, I'm going to send you out to do this. Now, the first time that he sent his disciples out, this is when he sent out the 70. And it gives us a prototype of how we're called to go into our cities, into our spheres, and live and share the kingdom the way that God taught us to share the kingdom. And the first thing that he says to them when he sends them out, here's the prototype, is he says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. So the first thing that you and I do when we walk into any sphere, any job, any place, and any home is we release a blessing of peace in that place. You are a priest. Do you know what priests do? Priests primarily bless God. That's the first thing they do. Father, we bless you. The psalm says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Priests bless the Lord. But the second thing that priests do, kingdom of priests, is they bless others. We release a blessing. In fact, Israel, we're given that blessing where he says, when you bless the children of Israel, bless them this way. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. We are the priests who are called to bless the people with peace. We are called, who's, who is our, who's our Messiah? The Prince of Peace. Who are we priests of? The Prince of Peace. What can we give in his name? Peace. You guys are getting this. Good job. Good job, priests. We are actually backed by heaven, all of the authority in heaven, to speak blessing in the name of Jesus in every single sphere of influence that we have. Everywhere that we go, we are carrying the kingdom because we are a yes and a kingdom. You guys, you guys are rocking this thing. You are already all getting A's. We are a kingdom and we are priests and we can release blessings with our lips and our works to establish peace in every place that we go. How many of you have ever met somebody that doesn't want peace? Right? You're just like, okay, yes, I know. I mean, like, but, but, but if you ask them, do you want peace in your life? They would say, I do want peace in my life. If you ask somebody, like when we really come down to it, the desire of every heart and soul is that they would be whole and healed, the shalom of God, amen? The, it's the heart's cries that we would be at peace, that we would be, you know, even our constitution says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What is that? That's peace. That's shalom. That's all things in its place. The desire of our heart is peace. And guys, we are priests. We are kingdom and priests who come in the name of the Prince of Peace. And we have all of the authority of heaven to release the blessing of heaven on people and in spheres of influence. Isn't that incredible? And when we do it, God backs us. So Jesus, when he's telling the disciples to go out, he says, when you go, the first thing I want you to do when you come to a house is I want you to first say peace to this house. Bless with your lips, with your words, that there would be peace. You release a blessing. You guys with me? When you go into your workplace, you release a blessing. I bless Costco today. I bless you, Costco, that there would be good communication that people would be treated with dignity and honor. 
I bless you that you would honor your contracts, that you would care for your producers and your providers, that you would care for your employees. I bless you that you would keep your promises and that you would be profitable. I bless you that you would be an extension of the second commandment, that you would love others as you yourself would be loved, that our community would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. Or Bymart, or Safeway, or McDonald's, whatever it is, you bless the place that you are. Why? Because God wants that place to represent, to reflect his heart and his kingdom. Because he is for human flourishing. He wants there to be peace. He wants shalom, wholeness, and peace, and everything in its place. Because he loves humans, and he wants them to flourish. And we are a kingdom of priests that get to speak those things. When we speak those things, the atmosphere shifts because all authority has been given to Jesus Christ. That we would make disciples of all nations. How? By defeating the principalities and powers in high places, we, we dethrone them and we defeat them by coming in the opposite spirit through the speaking of words of peace and works of peace. First words and then works. Not one without the other, both. But we speak a blessing and then we live out that blessing. Are you guys with me? And there is real authority here. You see, when you and I speak a blessing, it breaks the power of a curse. How many of you guys know that Satan hates every human? They remind him of God, and he rejected God. He hates women, and he hates men, because God made us in his image, male and female. He hates, and he curses, and he gets you to repeat those curses. How many times have you heard people say just the stupidest things over themselves? Ah, oh, I'm such a sick person. Like if there's a cold, I'm going to get it. If there's a virus, I'm going to get it. Every time I turn around, I get sick. What a horrible thing to say about yourself. First of all, patently not true. Praise God that you're wrong about that. It's not every time that something comes around that you get it because he's so merciful. But isn't it strange that you would report that over yourself? Why would you do that? I'm not talking about superstition. I'm literally saying, why would you say that? Who told you that? Your experience may have told you that at one point, but if you take a moment and examine this, it's like, who is committed to me speaking curses over myself instead of speaking blessings? That's a strange thing, isn't it? Because there's real power in our words. And we are a kingdom and priests, and so we speak blessing, and it breaks the power of a curse. Are you guys with me? Can you receive this? All right, so how do we do this? How do we do this? First, we speak a blessing. The next thing that we do as we're speaking blessings, and I'm going to give you some of this in real time, is that we then go into these places, and after speaking a blessing, what's the next thing that we see in this scripture? He says, remain in the house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. What's the point here as he's saying? He's like, he's saying, wherever you are, be with those people. If you work in a certain place, have lunch with your fellow workers. If you are living in a house, be friends with those people in that house. Whatever your sphere of influence is, wherever you are, be there. And break bread with those people. Fellowship with those people. What's your neighborhood? Do you know who your neighbors' names are? Have they ever been to your house? Have you taken time to bless them? As you bless them, you know what's going to end up happening? You're going to end up inviting them over for dinner, or they're going to invite you over to something. And Jesus says... 
sit down and eat something. Hang out, fellowship. Why? Why? Because that's what Jesus did. His name is God with us. He sat down. What did he get criticized the most for? They called him a glutton and a drunk. And he was always hanging out with sinners. Do you guys remember this? They're like, Jesus, you are a drunk glutton, and all you like to do is hang out with all these broken, sinful people. And the people were like, have you guys ever had Jesus to a party? He is amazing. You run out of wine, he just makes more wine. He's the best guy to invite to your party. But what happened when Jesus was with them? The kingdom of heaven came near them, and he blessed them where they were with his presence and then with meeting their felt needs. He came to destroy all the works of the devil, every relational party, poverty, every physical poverty. He came to destroy the things that destroy people. And we get to do the same thing. So the third thing that we do is that it says you eat and then you heal the sick in it. Now, you and I, it's really wonderful when we get to work miracles and we do that. We pray for sick people. And many times we see people healed and sometimes we're still waiting and we keep praying. But healing sick people isn't the only thing that we heal. How many of you guys know that every area of relational poverty, every area of physical poverty, every area of communication where there's poverty, we're here to heal those things. We actually help people with these things. We hear what the felt needs are of people and we say, how can I help you with that? Because people, when you're hanging out with them, I don't know if you notice, but when people realize that you're for them and you're blessing them and you're willing to spend time with them, they start telling you your story. Have you ever guys ever noticed that? That when somebody cares about you, you want to share your heart with them? Has anybody experienced that? I've experienced that. Absolutely. Well, you and I are a kingdom and priests, and we're coming, and we're literally speaking a blessing over these people before they ever even hear us say it. And then something starts shifting because now we're looking to engage and be present with people. And then they begin to share where they are needing healing in their life. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a loan. I had, I had a, um, a person come to me um, uh, and in their moment of need, a very, very successful person who came to me privately and said, I'm so embarrassed to ask this, but I know that you're for me and I literally have no one else to go to. Can I borrow several thousand dollars from you? And, and I said, well, let me check with my wife, which was wisdom. And then we said, of course. Yeah, of course you can. And so we lent this person several thousand dollars in their moment of need. And there's somebody that I would have never imagined ever that they would need that. But life happened that that's what they needed in that moment. And do you know why they came to us? Because we have significantly bless this person again and again and again in word and need in word and deed and then when they were in that moment of need they got to come that same person and this is a this is a key leader uh, in our community came that same person came another time and said listen i have this relational thing that's going on right now and i need to this person doesn't even believe in jesus yet okay they don't even believe in jesus yet they believe that there's a god but they don't believe in Jesus yet. But they are like, I know you pray to Jesus. So could you pray to Jesus on my behalf for this very specific situation that, that I need breakthrough in? And I know you pray, and I've seen some things happen when you pray, so will you pray? What an incredible opportunity. Are you guys with me? And all that happens is because with this person, we bless, 
We've had lunch together. And then now they're saying, can you pray into this thing? And you know what will happen next? Here's the last part. It says this, heal the sick and say to them, this is the last part, we get to proclaim. We get to proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near you. So when somebody says, why are you so kind all the time? What is wrong with you? Why are you always at peace? Like everyone around me is very different than you. You almost seem like you're from a different kingdom or some kind of a priest. Are you with me? See what I'm doing here? And when, and you, and you spend time with me and I can see that you care about me. And then now this has happened. And then people begin to ask you, what, seriously, what is going on? Tell me more. And you say, the kingdom has come near you. Would you like to meet the king? So we simply do this. We simply bless people. We fellowship with people by eating with them and breaking bread and being present. We minister by meeting felt needs. And then we get an opportunity to proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near you. Are you guys with me? So I want to read something from you because here's a, I want to share a couple stories of, of releasing blessings so that you can get some context of this in action. But I want to start with a great story. I've borrowed some of these um, ideas uh, from Ed Silvoso in a fantastic book he wrote called Ecclesia. And uh, I totally recommend it, by the way. So if you get a chance, go for it. But I want to share uh, some thoughts he has about blessing. And so this is very cool. So number one, bless, don't blast. Whatever house you enter, first say peace to this house. This speaking peace involves not just words, but an intentional impartation. It's transferring something to an intended recipient. We know this is the case because Jesus specifies that if the peace is not received, it will return to us, which implies that if we can tell when it bounces back, the recipient should certainly feel it when we send it. The words that we speak should impart spirit and life. They cannot be casual or flippant. They're intended to touch the recipient. Here are three important reasons for speaking peace. I'm going to read the first one, share the first one with you. You can get the book for the rest. Reason number one, we need to declare peace because we may have been at war with the lost. Too often, repent or burn is the banner under which we approach the unsaved in our circle of influence. Unfortunately, we have a tendency to dislike sinners, and this soon becomes obvious to them. There's a say law right there. It's like, I don't think you like me. I became aware of this the first time I tried to implement the Luke 10 strategy in our neighborhood. Instead of claiming the promise of God for my neighbors, I told God about everything that was wrong with them. I pointed out and discussed the morally loose, unwed mother who was such a bad example to our daughters. I demanded that he do something about the couple who kept us awake at night with their fighting. I complained about the depressed neighbor whose front yard was a disgrace and a bane to the real estate values on our block. And of course, I didn't forget about the teenager on drugs. I made it perfectly clear to the Lord that I wanted him to deploy an angel with a flaming sword to keep that young man away from our daughters. <laughs> All of a sudden, I sensed God saying, Ed, I am so glad that you haven't witnessed to any of these people yet. Surprised, I asked the Lord, well, why is that? And his reply was sobering. Because I don't want your neighbors to know that you and I are related. Man, that is a, whoo, Janelle would call that the spanking and the hug right there. That's the spanking. Your neighbors to know, I don't want you, yeah, sorry. <clears throat> I don't want your neighbors to know that you and I are related. 
I constantly extend grace to them. I love them, but you don't. You resent them. Rather than being an advocate for them, you're a witness for the prosecution, if not the prosecutor himself. Ed, unless you love them, I cannot trust you with their lives. Right there on the sidewalk, I cried out to God to make my heart more like his. Preaching the truth without love is like giving someone a kiss when you have bad breath. No matter how good the kiss, no one will come back for a second one. You see, we're called to bless. And when we bless, all of the power and authority of the kingdom of heaven is behind our blessing. And God will move on behalf of that person because he desires to bless. He's the one who said, I send the rain on the just and the unjust. He's the one who said, it's my kindness that leads to repentance. He's the one that said, love your enemies. If you love those who are good to you, how are you any different than anyone else in the whole world? Bless those who curse you, he says. And that's what we're called to do. As a kingdom and priests, we actually release the power of heaven to destroy the curses and the works of Satan that are working against every single human in this earth until they turn to Christ. Do you understand that? God loves people. God loves people. Satan hates people. He comes to kill and steal and destroy. And he seeks to not only curse people, but to cause others to continue to repeat and add power to that curse. We break that power through the blessing of our mouths and the works of our lives. We plant those mustard seeds through our faithfulness in doing this. And the kingdom of heaven causes everything, individuals and our places of influence, to rise with the yeast of the kingdom, the mustard seed coming, turning into a tree, and it causes everything to elevate. We actually destroy systemic issues through blessing by changing the atmosphere in our places of influence. Let me share a couple of examples with you, and then we'll pray. One of the examples is, is something, speaking of small, because this is the part where sometimes we can miss it. So I want to start with this one. This is a, a, nice, a nice one. There's a security guard, and he worked at a specific, I'm going to share all of these anonymously, but these are all people that are connected with this house. There's a security guard, and he uh, worked at a specific place that, that gives goods and services to people who are going through um, uh, major issues with, with poverty and connection and community. And so he's there working at this particular facility. And there was a couple that had to come in several different times as they were going through a very hard season in their life. And in fact, they were not doing well at all, and they were not being super great either. Um, as they're going through that. How many of you guys know that hurt people can hurt people? But as this security guard interacted with this couple, each time that he interacted, he knew, I'm a kingdom, I'm carrying the kingdom, I'm part of a kingdom, and I'm a priest. And I can extend blessing from the Lord through my words and the way that I interact with these people. I can be Jesus. I can be like Jesus in this situation. What does he do? He blesses. And so what the security guard is, he just simply was very present and treated them with such dignity and kindness and respect, regardless of, their, of what they were doing or saying or acting, and helped them as they went through this particular process in their life, several different appointments, several different times of coming to this particular facility. Months later, they came back to him, having taken steps to come out of this place of, of, of some, some brokenness 
that was going on in their life, and they were actually beginning to thrive and beginning to be able to re-engage with community and re-engage with health. And they said to that security card, you probably don't know this, but the tipping point for us in our lives was that whenever we would come here in the midst of this rock bottom season of our life, the way that you interacted with us, the way that you spoke with us, the way that you engaged with us, it was a tipping point for us that caused us to say, you know what? We're more valuable than this. Something's got to change. And they shifted. They said this was a tipping point. So it became a watershed moment for us where we said, you know what? Let's, let's shift this. Let's, let's go a different direction. We are valuable. We're worth it. Let's do this. And they began to shift and they actually began rebuilding their life. And they credited that security guard and the way that he treated them with being the tipping point for them rebuilding their lives. They were at the end of their hope, and it was that, it was those interactions in that season that brought the kingdom and the blessing of the kingdom into their life to the point that they changed directions. Such a small thing, such a small little bit of yeast, such a small little mustard seed of the kingdom, but over time, as he consistently shared through blessing of words and works, that was a life-changing event. See, we don't realize how often when we're faithfully being a kingdom and priests that we're actually impacting somebody's life in a profound way. But there's no reason that we need to remain ignorant to that because what I'm telling you is it's the smallest of things done with the great love of Christ that actually changes the world. Can you receive that? Isn't that a beautiful story? Here's another great example of this. There's a... Um, there was a uh, guy who he works um, specifically in an industry where he has to travel quite a bit and do, um, and do emergency calls and work with certain kinds of equipment. And in his line of work, um, there's an extraordinary amount of hours and an extraordinary amount of labor. And they have been understaffed for quite some time, but it's been the business model that was there. And this particular person is one of those people that um, honestly like spurs me on to good works because there's someone that is so connected to understanding the reality that in the kingdom, you know, our work is worship. You guys know that everything that you do with your hands, everything that you engage with is worship unto the Lord and actually creates the culture of the kingdom in whatever service, whatever interaction, whatever preparation, whatever creativity that you're bringing that's worship unto God, creating a culture that brings glory to him where humans flourish. That's what we're called to. Everything that we do in his name counts and actually creates heaven on earth, on earth as it is in heaven. Let your kingdom come, your will be done. And we understand that that excellence in what we bring is worship unto God. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. If you're faithful and little, you'll be given much. It's all glorifying God. And this particular person, honestly, like they spur me on to good works because they are so committed to excellence in their work. There are certain things that for me, I'm like, man, nobody's ever going to see that. I'm not going to worry about it. This person would be like, no, because if I'm going to do it, I know that I did it and I want everything covered because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just how he is. And he's one of those people, right, that you, you love them. They just, they just set that bar so high. And this particular person in their, in their place of business did not feel that the Lord was releasing them to go work somewhere else, but rather continued to employ that same level of excellence. And not only that same level of excellence, but this guy is one of the most encouraging, positive speaking, team player people 
that refuses to speak evil of others. Like this guy is always Captain Positivity, not because it's not a really flipping hard job, not because he's been treated well in his job, not because things are going great, but because he's a king and a priest and he brings the kingdom where he is and he refuses to respond in the same spirit that's happening in his place of business. And so he's just been committed to this. And over the years, because remember, time is an issue here, right? He has built so much equity and goodwill with this company that he finally was able to come to them and say, look, the way that you're doing this business model is not taking care of the, of the employees the way that I know that you want to. And at this point, your pay scale is, is far too low for what this industry really should have. And really, in the end, it's not going to serve our customer well. It's not going to serve us well because you're not going to be profitable if you have enough people. And also, over time, you're going to burn out the people that you do have. And so in line with the amount of equity and excellence that he brought to the kingdom, I'm sorry, brought to the business through his kingdom values, they made all the adjustments that he suggested. And they changed the pay scale. They changed the hour structure. And they're hiring more people. And it's all because of this person. What I love about this story is, one, the faithfulness to stay where God had asked him to be. But I love, too, that not only did God fix the situation to be better for him himself, but that he went to bat for all of the employees in the company. And not from a perspective of like, you dirty, rotten, greedy, horrible people that suck at everything and bourgeois, blah, blah, blah. No, he came as a king and a priest and said, I want to see this company blessed. And I know that you guys want to continue to be a blessing. And here's how we can do that. And because of the way he had been operating, he was able to intercede and see the whole company shift to better care for their employees to where they continue to be profitable. It's a win-win. It's the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that beautiful? And he did that through speaking blessings, and he did that through faithfully working to see God's kingdom come into that business. Isn't that wonderful? See, that's what we're called to do. It's very simple. It's very simple but we have to actually do it. And that's where the rub, isn't it? Is remembering to not give in to the pressure. Because what, what does the world do? We complain, right? Outside of the kingdom, it's very natural to complain. We're all looking at the same problems. By the way, people in the world also want to solve the problems. So this is not some kind of us and them story. This is the fact that the spirit of the world is constantly complaining and, and speaking curses. It's like, well, they should have done that. Well, this is this and blah, 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 blah. And we come in the exact opposite spirit and we say, okay, I'm going to be, I, I also see that problem. You're not making that up. This is a bummer. But we respond very differently and we actually release blessings into that situation. So we say, just as I prayed for Costco, okay? So wherever it is that you're working but you begin to release a blessing. What does God want for this company? I'm a priest and I have all of the kingdom of heaven backing me to release that blessing in this place. If you're the only person in your place of business, that's enough power because Jesus Christ himself resides in you. He saved the entire world and all authority has been given to him. And so therefore he's given us a commission to make disciples of all nations by releasing blessing. And the first thing that you can do is begin to speak with your mouth. I bless my place of business. I bless my fellow employees. I bless the communication and the relationships in this place. I bless the profitability in this place. I bless the culture of this place that it would be permeated with dignity and honor and respect and joy. Are you with me? 
You begin to speak blessings out. And when you do hear those other things, you refuse to speak curses. You refuse to carry the gossip. You refuse to carry the negativity. You hear it. You say, that is a problem. But then even in that conversation, you begin to turn it. Because you know what, guys? You get really good at this. The more you practice it, the more you get good at this. And you can even begin to say in those course of conversation, golly, that is a problem. And then you can, you can, you can be, you can be covert about it. I would that this place would be blessed with good communication. You could say that to anyone. I would that we would carry one another in high esteem, that we would walk in generosity in this place. I'm committed to that for this place. I have hope for this place. This place will go from strength to strength and glory to glory. And the person next to you is going to be like, well, I hope you're right. I mean, what can somebody say? Everybody agrees with that. Let me give you one more story. This is a story I really enjoy. I just heard recently. There were, um, there's a couple, they're, they're landlords, and they have a couple properties um, and in the local area, and they were sharing that at one point they had some, t- some specific tenants, and those tenants were constantly getting behind in their rent. And these particular tenants kept making the, it like the landlord's problem. It was like, oh, this and this and this and this. And how many of you guys know when people are coming out of poverty and brokenness, they don't necessarily handle money very well. So they were coming from somewhere. But they kept putting that problem onto the landlords. And these particular landlords uh, were trying their best to work with that tenant. But it finally got to the point where it was, it was just no longer sustainable. And so they, 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 uh, they conferred, they're believers, they conferred together and they prayed about it. And they felt like it was time to go ahead and, and, um, and, uh, and give notice. And it was at a certain point where they were going to do some renovations. So it lined up really well for them to be able to give them 60-day notice, do the renovations, and just get a new tenant. And during that time, those tenants had to go out and try to find a place to live. And so they ended up, I think they, were, they moved in with a family member or something. But at any rate, they, were, they did not find a permanent place to live. And because of their past, they weren't able to find a place to live because of some things in, um, in uh, them being not yet building enough credit or whatever to get a place. So they had stuff to fix. They couldn't find a place. And, and during that, that 60 days, they asked to meet with those landlords. And so the landlords are like, okay. And they, the, they felt like the Lord had said, go ahead and meet with them. So they meet with these tenants. And as they're with the tenants, the tenants said, listen, we're begging you, please help us. Like we, we realize that we have continued to make our issues your issues. We understand that's not on you. But we have looked everywhere. I can't remember how much. They'd spent like hundreds and hundreds of dollars on, um, on um, applications to try to get a place. And they just kept getting turned down, turned down, turned down. And so finally, they just said, please, if, I mean, we will, we will not make our problems your problems, but will you please just have mercy on us? And so the landlords, you know, they got together and, and they just felt like the Lord said, I want you to invest in them. I want you to let them come back. And so they set up a, a real clear thing, you know, under, the, under that, that it's like, we can't, we can't have this being running like this any longer. And so they, were able, they moved back in. And over the, next, over the next two years, as you guys know, for many people that have been in, it, that have been in situations where, um, where they are dealing with financial instability, 
they're still working through that. And during COVID, there were several people uh, um, in, the, in the area that are landlords that people were, who were having financial issues with the moratorium on being evicted if you don't pay your rent for like 18 months. There were several people that, that just opted to say, well, you know what, I'm gonna make that the bill that I don't pay and I'll just try to find a new place in 18 months. And there have been several landlords whose tenants just didn't pay because they didn't have to and they also couldn't get evicted. And that's unfortunate, that's a complex issue. I'm not without concern or compassion for those types of things. But this particular, these tenants paid their rent on time throughout because they were so honored by the landlords extending mercy. And they were like, we would, we would like things were tight for them, but they were like, this is the first bill we're gonna make sure is paid. And just recently we were talking with the landlords and they were talking with their tenants and the tenants came across through their workplace a couple who are living in their car right now. And so they're, they're homeless. And the tenants were investing in them and were sharing with the landlords how they were investing in them and how they were seeking to try to get them through this cold weather and what they could do next. And, you know, they're employed, but right now it's, as you guys know, it's 2% uh, vacancy rate in Lane County. So it's very hard to get a place if you don't have a place. And so they're helping them through this extraordinarily hard time. They themselves, the tenants, still working their way back out of poverty into a, a good place. But they said to the landlords, we're doing this because we learned this from you. The way that you invested in us when we could not help ourselves. And we learned it from you. And we're extending it to these guys and walking them through because we want to help them in the same way that you helped us. And that all happened because they are a kingdom and they are priests and they understand that we bless through words and works. And even in the midst of the limited part or the limited uh, provision that the tenants are dealing with in their journey of rebuilding their lives, they're giving even out of their own need to care for someone else who has even less. You guys, it's little things that God has asked us to do and they grow into large things and God's kingdom continues to expand. And these are just three of story after story after story of you, you kingdom of priests, as you're continuing to faithfully bless with words and works in what Christ has shown you. So let's keep doing it, amen? And we're going we're gonna to take some time as uh, in the next, um, especially in January, we're going to talk a little more about this as we continue to purposefully bless with our words and our works so that all of those that are in our cities can know the Father and his love. Amen? Why don't you guys stand up? I want to bless you. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. May you have the mind of Christ. May you see yourself as a kingdom and as priests. May you bless all in the name of Jesus. 
May you partner with the Holy Spirit that in every place that you set your foot, in every sphere that you have, that you will with purpose release through word and deed the blessing of God. And may you have confidence that all of the authority in heaven is backing the blessings that come from your mouth and your works. In the name of Jesus, amen.